Oh. I am so thankful for the privilege of being here with the church family this side. Uh, Pastor Denver, we, since we got to know each other, one thing that has been just so encouraging for me has been how he speaks of you, the church family here. And uh, with just the testimony that he has been able to share with me about you, I just could not wait to be here and to meet you. And everything he has said about you has been confirmed. It's just a blessing. And it's been a sweet fellowship for myself and my wife Amanda to be here with you uh, throughout this weekend. Uh, thank you, the band. You guys have been just amazing. You've ministered to our soul. You've ministered to my soul. It's been just amazing to sing and to have you guys lead us. You've worked so hard tirelessly uh, from get-go uh, Friday up today. And I'm also thankful for the deacons who had to set up all this weekend to come up the way it did. I mean, somebody was working hard. <laughs> and, and I think we, we can't just think things were just happening. Pieces were just not moving. No. There was sweat, and there was a kind of out of breath, uh, sleeping. I'm sure these guys, when they slept, they were sleeping. <laughs> they just had to be woken up again, back again. But so thankful for the work, for the way you've served us. It's just an amazing way to have such a time of fellowship, time, and the Word. And also thank you for the elders of the church on I have to say this, uh, that so many times you will have strangers come here and Pastor Danvers allow them to share pulpit. I'm not one of the strangers, but, uh, uh, but it's, it's easier for the church to be infatuated with those strangers. Um, my prayer is you don't let that infatuation affects your life or your pastors, your elders, all affect the way you look at their care and their love for you. Uh, they're the ones who care for you. So they're the ones who love you. Strangers come and just share their highlights of their life. But they deal with the dirt. They deal with rolling of the sleeve. Um, they're the ones you call them in a day, and they're there. They've availed their life to you. Please just take note of that and continue to pray for them. Continue to take care uh, of them. But I just want to know that they really care for you. Um, so I just want to make sure that it's well taken noted. Well, if you open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, we have already looked at that text, at that chapter, but this time we are looking at a different section of that chapter, and I'll read from verse 21 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Know about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into burn, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being, by being anxious, add a single hour to his span of life? And what? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or no spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which clothes, uh, uh, the, sorry, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Father, we are so thankful for this moment that we can look into your words and let this word feed our soul. Help us to understand your ways through your word. Let your spirit illuminate into our hearts. Help us to obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that sin introduced to this world, remember when God created the heavens and the earth and Genesis chapter 131, everything he created was good. Not just good, very good. Very pleasing in his sight. It was created the way he wanted it to be. Perfectly. According to the standard that he wanted. But sin crept in in chapter 3. And then when sin crept in, it brought something else. One of the things that it brought about was trouble, problems. Problems were introduced into this world. Problems were introduced in the life of a people. Problems. What's interesting is how man began to respond to problems. Most problems have been responded by one thing. Worry. Anxious. When somebody loses their job, the first thing that comes into mind is what? What am I going to do? How am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to do this? How am I going to pay my thing? Worries, worries, worries. 
When somebody hears they are going to die because they're sick for whatever reason, what happens? How do we respond? Worried. We're going to lose them. What are we going to do without them? It's just going to be hard now. Worries, worries becomes the first solution, the first responder to the problem. If you're like me, that's just what happens. And Jesus knew that that's a huge problem of man, even his disciples and those who were following him. But here in this text, we're going to see why a believer must ought to live anxious-free life. I say must because if you're a believer, you must. You have no choice to live anxious-free life. Now, we will struggle to obey or to follow this command. Now, this text that we just read, I just want to lay a little bit of a background so we understand what's going on here. We see here that in chapter 6, we've looked already that one of the things that uh, Jesus does, he addresses the issue of prayer. And verse 1 of chapter 6, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others, before the people, in order to be seen by them. Beware of focusing on those who are around you when you are practicing your righteousness. Beware of doing practice, uh, practice righteousness before man so that man can see you. For then you will have reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse 2 says thus, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Truly I say to you, I'm just skipping some, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Because you see it in verse 1, that says, For then you will have no reward from your, half, your father. Here it says, For they will have already their reward. Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. What do hypocrites do? For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. At street, where people are, where people can hear them. And people can admire them. They are manly focused. Don't pray like them. Uh, truly, I say to you. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So, 
Do you want man to reward you or do you want God to reward you? Then don't care about man. Care about God. When you pray, when you give, when you live your life, when you practice righteousness. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So they sit down and think about their words, how they are so articulated, how perfect they lime. But all those things is done so that people around them can hear them. They're not praying to God. They're praying to people. Do not be like them. And then we read that section there. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy. Look again who the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by who? By God? No, by others. The motivation is about those around him. So he's doing, he's practicing righteousness, he's praying, he's doing all kind of stuff just so that he can be admired by those around. That's the motivation. Who's seeing me? There's a lesson here that's ringing through this. When you come to church here and you're serving, you don't have to be in the front. You just be, you just have to be where you're needed. You just have to be doing what's needed to be done. Do not lay, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal. I don't have to convince you about this truth. We know that. How many times you've been serving up money and you buy your nice, beautiful phone that has some cool accessories and man, it's taken you all these years to do it and then somebody takes it away from you. Or you forget it somewhere. Uh, people don't keep it or they don't take it to lost but found. They found it and they put it in their pocket. Many things. How many times you've heard the house, uh, there's a house next to our uh, neighborhood. Uh, I really like that house. It was a really nice house. And somehow the kids, they knew I liked that house. And so one time one of uh, the girls comes to me and says, Daddy, Dad, your house is burnt. And I'm like, a house is burnt? And so I ought to find out, oh, it's the house that on the road that you said you like it. Real nice house, in flames, completely destroyed. You know, that person was not expecting that. The thing about it is that that's where people put their heart. Everything is in that. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth 
No rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. That's the place that's more doable. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is so significant. You know where you've put your nice car keys and you know where you've put your phone, your heart is there. You know where your savings is and you probably know how much you have in that savings. Your heart is there. And we, we, we make sure that, because why? It's the most important thing to our heart. For where your treasures is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full, uh, will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay, here's the point. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot save God and money. There is no way you can be in both worlds, basically. You can never be in both worlds. Either you love money or you love God. You love money, hit God, you hit God, love money. That's just how it is. He put just straight line in that. You can't have both feet in the both. It's impossible. He wants these people to understand this. Either you're devoted to God or you're devoted to your things. And that really sets the stage for our text. Because everything that has been addressed so far has to do doing things that are earthly, that are earthly focused, that are manly focused. And Jesus makes it clear. Those things that are earthly, those things that are manly focus, have nothing to do with God. They're in the opposition. They're in the conflict. They can't be together. There's no mixing. You can't be in the world and one foot in God. No. Once you're in the world, you're in the world. When you're in God, you're in God. So, therefore, that's why it comes in, therefore. Understanding that truth, that there is no, there is no doubling up. We need to put this in perspective. So, that's where you launch in our text where we see two reasons why a believer must live an anxious, free Life. Now, the, this background helps us see a believer is not focused on the earthly things. A believer is not driven or motivated by earthly things. A believer is driven by God's 
perspective. Got mind, God's mindset. So the first, what we see here, the reason why a believer must live an anxious free is because God cares for you. It's because God cares for you. Now, what you see here in this text, uh, you see a section that's filled with negative commands. Look at them. Do not be anxious. Those are commands. And it says in verse 27. Verse 26 at the end of it. Are you not of more value than they? And then you go verse uh, 31. Therefore do not be anxious. All those are negative commands. Things you shouldn't do. And these negative commandments. That direct us towards one thing. Do not, do not, do not worry. Do not be anxious. You see there, there's no like some sort of... Uh, of reasoning around it. It's okay to worry as far. No, 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 no. When you're a believer, you don't even go that. And we'll see why. Okay, so the first reason, because God cares for you. Look at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. About life, about life. What's about life? About what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Those are just basic necessities that can create that worry. Now it represents massive other things. But if you look at those things, those things are worldly. And already there you can see it's established. Things that makes people worry, it's worldly things, it's earthly things. That's those ones. What I'm going to eat. What I'm going to drink. Know about your body. What you will put on. Clothes. I just said it's kind of interesting. When you have one cloth. When you have one shirt. It's the quickest decision you can make. <laughs> but put two shirts there. Oh, it's like, which one? What raid or the first one is taking how many times you're going to make you put on this and you go back and you have two problems comes in. Is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he gives us an illustration there. Look at the birds of the air. We can hear some of them right now outside there. They're neither so you you've never seen a bird take a hole, take a peak or whatever they use or drive a tractor to go out to the field to start sowing to do farming. They don't do that. No, they don't go around with another tractor to come in and start to reap 
to harvest. They're not engaging in that kind of a toil. But the key thing is what happens to them. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father cares for them. They just go out. Oh, there's a seed. Oh, there's a leaf. There is there. Off they go. Your heavenly Father feeds them. It comes to their Creator. Their Creator, as we notice, provides for them. They don't care. They don't have like a spatial psychologist that should help them to think through their worry. They don't worry at all because food for them is there. I just pick it and I just eat it and I go my way. Here's the key question. Are you not more valued? Than they. What God created, He created everything. But when it came to man, let us make man. There was a plan. And He designed man. And man was created in His image. Man was put as the what? Supervisor. The authority over the birds. And He was given even the responsibility to name those birds. Who's more important? The creature or the man? So man is more valuable than they. So he's trying to help them. The problem is this, as you look at this. It's already established. God is the provider. I think sometimes we look, as I think I mentioned, and say, we look at what we have. It's been established in this world. In order to get the provision, you need to have a job. And that's true, you've got to have a job. But a job is not the provision that God uses. A business is not the provision that God uses. All those are a provision. Job is a provision. A business is a provision. He can use whatever. What it means, if you lose that job, guess what? He, the creator of you, will still provide for you. He just used something different. So you don't have to worry. But in your mind, you've made it. This is the order where he's going to provide for me. It's my job, so I've lost it all. Man, what am I going to do? No. He cares for you. He's the provider for you. Look at the birds. The way he provides for the birds, that's how he provides for you. No matter how affluent, no matter how successful you are in your job, in your, it comes from God. That's not your abilities, your skills. It's coming from God. But we lose that perspective and we become to look to that job, to look to that business. Whatever that is that we see becomes the provider for us. And when it's taken, we are completely in despair. God, 
cares for you. I got First Peter five. Just to assure you that God cares for you. First Peter five. First Peter five is five. Uh, verse one it says, "So exhort the elders. I exhort the elders among you as fellow elders and witness of the suffering of Christ." As well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compassion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for the shameful gain, but eagerly, not dominating over those in your charge, but being example to the flocks. This is the word to the leaders. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory because you have been leading, shepherding his flock in the way he wants you to. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he might exalt you. Humble yourself. Not before man, so they see that you're a humble man. No, before the Almighty God. And here's the thing. Casting all your anxieties, your worries on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. God cares for you. Psalm 55, 22. Okay, Psalm 55, 22. Let's see. <coughs> 55, 22, it says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He would never permit the rushes to be moved. Cast your cares on the Lord because He cares for you. And of course, you see that Philippians that was pointed earlier, chapter 4, verse 4, talks again. Do not be anxious, but instead pray for you. We'll get to that. But the main thing here is that God cares for you. That's why you don't need to be worried. That's why you don't need to be anxious. That has to be enough. That needs to be enough. We don't need more than that. That needs to be able to get you moving. 
to know that your father cares for me. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28 at the end there? I will be with you through the end. You know his word is true. What he says he will do, he will do. So, so why should believers live an anxious free life? It's because God cares for you. It says 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Let's look, I mean, how many times have you fixed your problem by being worried? Never get fixed. It just gets things, escalate things. So that's not the solution. Uh, we drag ourselves in these worries and worries and worries. It takes forever to solve the problem because we are going on the wrong path. But that's the naturalistic of man to worry. We need to look up to the Father who created us, who has promised. Especially remember, we are children of God. He has bought us with the price of His Son, Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. We are in Him. No matter what happens, you're safe in His hands. He's getting hold of you. He cares for us. Secondly, why should believer live an anxious, free life? It's because God knows your need. God knows your need. But if God who, verse 30, well, I've started from verse 31, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all after all these things. So Gentiles, basically it's the idea of the non-believers. That's just a picture uh, uh, of, of resemblance of non-believers. Because Gentiles didn't care about God. They cared about the world. They were just a classic example of a pagan. You think, you see, if you're worried about what you're going to eat, if you're worried about what you're going to drink, you're going to close, you, what, what's the difference between you and that person who's in the world? That's what they care about. Uh, when they get their car, it's like the, the, the most precious thing they have. Their house is the most precious thing out there. And you can't touch it. And you look at all these wealthy people that are pagans out there. That is their life. I, I remember uh, reading this uh, story of this man. You probably have read it as well. You heard about it. He had probably somewhere at $22 billion. That's what he was worth. And through stocks, he lost about 20 billion, and he was left with 2 billion. He committed suicide. 
And I'm like, what in the world? Give me a million. I'm good. I'm safe. But imagine, two billion. Not enough. Because why? That's where the treasure is. There's nothing outside him. That's it. And so, as believers who belong to God, who have access to the Father, we cannot leave like them. The believers, the non-believers, that's what they worry most about the things of the world. So he says there, the Gentiles seek after all these things. This is the word seek. You will hear it again. Seeks of all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Need them all. He knows you need them all. Remember what we saw in Romans chapter 8 verse 26. We do not know how to pray. We are weak. Our prayers short. Our prayers are not perfect. Are not up to the standard that God wants it. Our prayers are not lined with the will of God. But it says there that God knows what we need before we even ask him. So our Father knows that you need them. He knows you need. That should be enough to say, yes, I'm in need, but God knows already my need. So I don't need to worry. The, the Gentiles or the non-believers, the pagans, have to worry because nobody knows their needs and they were the only ones who knew their needs and they were the only ones who filled their needs according to them if that's taken out there's nothing else out there so they have reason to worry but when you belong to God when you belong to Christ there's no reason to worry because your heavenly father knows your need Well, what's the solution then? What's the solution to this anxious life? Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Again, look at that. The Gentile seek after all these things. That's the pagan. That's the person who do not know God. We've already looked at the Gentiles do not know God. They seek for this and they should. That's, they were born sinners. They're dead in their trespasses. All they can seek is things that are in blind in darkness. The watery things. That's all they can pursue. But you who knows the Father. You who knows God. This is what you should be seeking. Seek first. First there does not mean the first among the many. It's the prominence. Seek this first. The only, one and only, the things that should occupy your pursuit. It's not these needs that you are worried about. You ought to seek something bigger than that. Seek first of prominence. 
the kingdom of God. Seek an environment where Jesus is the king. And you're looking at the king ahead of you. And looking at what he expects of you. And pursuing to do whatever he wants you to do. That must preoccupy your life. And that should replace worrying. Instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What are all these things? It's not the house that you want. It's not the car that you want. It's not the job that you want. It's the necessities. He'll take care of your necessities. Your basic needs. Your basic necessities. It may not be that whatever house you wanted. But he'll give you shelter. He'll give you the food. He'll provide. He's the provider. He will be with you through the end. The focus. And that's why when you look at Philippians chapter 4, that helps us see very clearly. Paul, pretty much stepping from this grounds of Jesus' teaching of being anxious, he tells us something in Philippians chapter 4. That's something that we can look at as we conclude here. We have already looked, uh, talked about this text before, but just in the conclusion here, let's see. Uh, in chapter 4, he says, verse 10. No, no, let's start from verse 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Okay, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is here. He's coming. What then? Do not be anxious about anything. Not just something. Anything. That's what's covered in Matthew chapter 6, what Jesus is saying. He covers everything right there. The food, the basic needs that you always need. So do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. It leaves nothing out there. That's why you must, you must live anxious free life. There's nothing else there that you've given a room for you to worry about. So he says, But instead of being anxious in everything, look at there, be anxious about anything, nothing, absolutely, but in response to that, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Come to the Father. Come to the Father. Cast your burden to the Lord. Instead of getting busy worried about something, come to the Father with your concerns. Cast your burden to the Lord. He has solution. 
You know, it's, it's, it's that, uh, that wrong thinking that it says, you know, if everything fails, pray. That's the pagan. That's the Gentiles. That's non believer who think that way. With believers, it's before everything fails and there's nothing out there. Come to the Father. We have to run quickly to the Father with our concerns. We have to run quickly with, to the Father with our troubles. If you want to know how to do that, read Psalms. David is a man who knew how to run to the Father. He spent time with his Father. He explained into details his problems. I think Psalm 13, how he expressed his loneliness struggles that is going he's speaking to the father he's spending time and look at the end of that psalm even though he's still in that trouble he finds so much comfort and joy but i will trust in god because he has valiantly delivered me but he hasn't yet delivered him but because he's in the father's realm he knows it's already done I am safe. No matter what happens, come to the Father. Do not worry, but come to the Father. We have privilege as believers that we have a Father. We've sung about Him. Glorious, great, and mighty. The sovereign, He controls everything. We waste our time when we drag our feet to come to him, we have to sprint. We have to duck. There's a problem. Boom. To the Father. Whether it be struggles in our families, on our marriages, struggles everywhere, we go to the Father. We spend time talking among each other, especially as spouses, wasting time. Let's come to the Father. You and I, let's sit down. Let's pray to the Father. He will help us through. We must live an anxious free life. We must fight because we are in our Heavenly Father's hands and He cares for us and He knows our needs. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that we have this privilege. And it's a privilege that came by grace. We were enemies of yours. We didn't care about you. But you draw us, yourself, near to you. And now that we are part of your household, now that we are your children, now that we have a relationship with you, you have promised your word that you hear us. You hear us. And so we are so thankful that we can, but help us to remember to utilize that privilege. By coming to you. Your word is so powerful. Help us Lord. Not just to listen to these with convictions. But we will obey. Your instructions. Help us. To do your will. In Jesus name. Amen.